You're listening to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show presented by SuperOps.ai, where we go behind the scenes with today's top MSP owners and experts and get to know what they are really doing to evolve their business. Hey, everyone. Welcome to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show. I'm Praveen, your host for the day. So today's guest is Veera Tukhi, the co-founder and CEO of T-Consulting. You know, what surprises me about Veera, we've had various guests on our show and one, yes, she's one of the more prominent women in the MSP MSP and the tech space. But, you know, what was more surprising to me was her focus on operations and finance side of things, right? Because as MSP owners, we are all techies who are starting out a business. At best, I've seen a lot of MSP owners talk about, let's say, sales, marketing, but operations and finance, I've seen very few MSP owners talk about. So... I'm kind of very excited for this conversation with Veera and, you know, get to know her playbook in operations, finance, and all the other exciting stuff she does. So welcome to SuperPod, the NoFilter MSP show, Veera. Thank you. Thank you, Praveen. Thank you for having me here. Awesome. So, you know, I just want to start about, you know, talking about your MSP, right? So Mm -hmm. you're based out of Europe. So kind of just give us a brief about, you know, your team size, what do you do is because, you know, one thing that intrigued me was your, this thing towards enterprise IT, if I'm right. Yeah. So, you know, about your team, what do you do and why specifically enterprise IT? Okay, perfect. As you said, my company is called T Consulting. It was co-founded by myself and my business partner almost 14 years ago. We started out of his experience and his background as a freelance, a system integrator. At one point, he decided that he wanted to make his market size bigger. He wanted to serve more clients in a better way. So we joined forces. I just graduated back then and I was looking for something to do on my own. And I started with the idea of helping the company building a sales department. So that was my first role. But as soon as we started, even if as a company, as a firm, basically back then of two and a half people, two founders and one contractor, I realized immediately, thanks to a blog post that I read, that instead of focusing on sales, because we had client already, right? One of the things that I should have done was focusing on financials. And for me, there was a whole new subject. I didn't go to business school. I had no background in business administration. But this person that ended up being my first business coach basically taught his customers, his clients, that even when you have a very small company, you should start behaving as the big company that you want to become. So... Basically, this means setting up systems that at first seem overstructured for your company, but they are actually giving you the space to grow in the right direction. So I changed role immediately and I started focusing on creating financial department with cash flow management, cash flow projection. Notice that we founded our company at the eve of the big 2008 financial crisis. So wow. a bit of it. Yes, it was. It was good timing. Thinking back, it was the best timing possible because 
when you start a business in a flourishing economy, you kind of get used to it. You relax a little bit. Maybe you don't pay too much attention to the way that you spend your money. You know, there's an abundant mindset. We started in the worst possible time for, for what we could see in, the, in that moment, but it was actually the best because we started with this attention to money, to cash flow, to savings, to being prudent with our business. We were not limiting ourselves, but we were trying to be prepared for what was next. We had this idea that since we didn't know any better, we didn't know any better market, that was the market for us. It was not a crisis for us. It was just what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so we were lucky. No, so funnily enough, right? You know, as you rightly pointed out, the recession is it's a big opportunity, right? Because a lot of companies like the likes of Airbnb, WhatsApp come to mind, right? Formed mm-hmm. around the time of 2008, 2009 crisis. You know, yeah. the big economic crash happened, but a lot of the great companies that we know of today were formed then. So I, I think yeah. it, it makes up for a great story to tell, right? Because back then <laughs> when you started, you wouldn't have known that you would be sitting probably through a pandemic to tell the story. Absolutely, yes. And in that moment, it was not easy. That I don't want it to be misunderstood here. There were tough years. We were at the beginning. We had really high hopes. Things were going slower than we anticipated. It was tough, but in retrospective, it was the best experience that a founder can have at the beginning of their business adventure, because when you start in a very smooth way, maybe you're not forging enough your character as a founder and you focus on the more superficial part of the business, you know, events, conventions, travels, those things are great. They're amazing. They do a lot. But when you have the chance of focusing for two years on making ends meet at the end of the month for your business, this is the best way possible to start. So it was tough love, but it was worth it. Yes, I think adversity bought the best out of you and no regrets, as you rightly said, because no disrespect to people who might have lost jobs or closed down businesses. But I think in retrospect, any decision could be bad or good, but I'm glad that you you could put through the decision and, you know, you're here talking through a pandemic. (laughs) Exactly. And, And this is what I've learned in my experience so far is that this is just part of the deal. When you have a business, you have to be prepared for everything and anything. And it's not just an adversity for you. It's not personal, but it's the world. Things happen. And your job and responsibility towards your team is to brace yourself and be prepared and move forward. We had this few years that we're traveling at the beginning. We didn't have big projects going on because clients were saving a lot. We were so blessed with a group of clients that they didn't lose a beat during the crisis of 2008. They were more conservative with their investments, but they keep on moving and they keep on working. So we we didn't lose clients and that was a good achievement. We we're seeing companies like ours closing overnight, losing team members, et cetera, laying off people. But we are really grateful with what happened back then. But that remained my core focus was strong financials, yes. being prepared for everything. 
Yes. So I think that's where I want to kind of uh, dive deep into next, right? Because, you know, a lot of MSPs that I have spoken to personally as part of my job, you know, tend to focus a lot on, let's say, getting the tech stack right or getting mm-hmm. the marketing right, getting the sales right. But operations is as a field, very few people have kind of focused on them, right? So yeah. I wanted to one, I mean, you did explain about why you started focusing on operations. So if I'm an MSP starting out today, you know, why is one operations important to me? And two, how do I even get started? Is there like a playbook or a framework for me to get started with? What would you recommend? Well, it's a very, it's very complicated question, but I will try to be as <laughs> quick as possible answering it. Why should you start with operations? Well, basically because operation is the mother of everything that happens in a company. It's the certainty that all processes have been tested and they run smoothly. In our company, we joke about the fact that operation is the issue collector of the company. So your main job is to be sure that when an issue arises, you are there to address it, manage it, and to move on from it. At the beginning, I think setting up good operations means that you can focus on growing your business. If you get processes, move forward with some obstacles in it, in them, you will face them later. Maybe at the beginning, you will save time, but they will present themselves later on. Yeah. So just to, sorry to be interjecting, but can you give me a real life example of a place where, you know, good operations practices kind of help you save the day, you know, something that you put forward a few years back and that came to help you two or three years down the line? Yeah, absolutely. When we started our company in Italy, there was not an MSP market, right? We had IT providers, but they were offering the classic things, right? Software, hardware, and hours of consultation. Thankfully, we always had a co-founder that was looking outside of our territory for products and for ideas. So we started very, very long before it was common to have a ticketing system. So clients could open their support request from a platform and we were collecting all these requests within an internal what right now we would call a PSA but back then it was it was a something like that but it was not a PSA specifically so we started processing the ticket requests from our clients thinking about a workflow thinking about okay when this client sends an email or they send a request that is about this part of the infrastructure or this client issue or this software issue? How can we differentiate by severity, by urgency, what they are asking us to do? How can we be sure that we address the most urgent things first and we are not neglecting some clients' requests because we're busy dealing with something that we could have managed later on. What right now is common knowledge, right now is by default, an MSP has a PSA, they have a triage system. Back then, in Italy, it was not. So we kind of 
got the inspiration from across the ocean from the United States for the way that they were dealing with these things. And we started creating a process for managing requests from our clients. So we had to train the clients, we had to train our colleagues, and we had to create a system without a strong software base to start from. Because right now, if you purchase a PSA, any PSA, these kind of features are built within the instrument, right? We didn't have that kind of technology at the beginning, Mm -hmm. so we built it for ourselves. Yeah. yeah, from scratch. And and that was the first real process that we put in place, the triaging, the dividing by severity or by clients, the tickets that you get, because we had some clients with a different kind of contract. So they had a sort of VIP treatment based on the complexity of their infrastructure. Got it. So that, that was the first and it was the beginning of a whole new way of doing your job. Okay. I think that that, that example kind of explains why, you know, you need to put in process and operations in place. So, you know, the second part of my question was, you know, the frameworks for someone getting started, right? Because the word operations, you know, I'm a marketer myself who's in the tech world and I talk to a lot of MSP owners, but the word operations cares most of us, right? Because it seems huge and it encompasses a lot of things. So if I'm an MSP owner starting out with operations, how do you recommend I get started? This could seem too philosophical for a tech person with a tech background, but I would definitely recommend starting with a blank piece of paper, designing what is your ideal company? What kind of company do you want to run? So try to visualize what's ideal for you. Don't be limited but by what you have right now or by the people and roles that you have right now. Focus on what is the best solution for your company. Once that you have that in place, try to identify what areas you already are developing within your company or what you should develop next. And from there, simply start listing all the things that you do within each area. What are the tasks that each area has to deal with on a singular work day? Once that you have that list, try to think about what if the person that right now is doing all these things tomorrow wants to resign or they're homesick or they're simply going on vacation. Is there someone else that could do what they're doing? Is everything documented? Is everything tested? Do we have a point where we share this information, where colleagues can access the information and they can simply follow a procedure? I know that I use the word simply, but I'm doing the hair quotes around it. It's not simple at all. But the main idea is try to think about having somebody new in the company that has to understand at a glimpse right away what they should do. It's a long documenting process that I would recommend starting from not what you have right now, 
but what would you have in 10 years? Because if you focus on the future, you can start building procedures and processes that will help you get there. If you limit yourself to documenting what you have right now, that's the point where you will get stuck for many, many years because there's no room to grow. If you're listening to Superpod, the No Filter MSP show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. It helps us bring more amazing guests, improve discoverability, and more importantly, acts as a push for our team to produce more quality interviews. Tweet or send us a screenshot of your review, and we have a surprise gift coming your way. Got it. God, I think that's that's a great framework, right? To think what would I need 10 years down the line? Because more often than not, we are so drawn by the problem of today, right? Today, yeah. probably I need to send an email. Probably I need a CRM today. But as you said, what's my ideal state? And yeah. to, you know, boiling it down to what can I do today? I think that rather than bottom-up approach, we could look at a top-down approach. Yes, and this is the biggest responsibility, I believe, for the owners, in a lot of MSPs, in, if you think about that, in Italy, most of the MSPs have less than five employees. You can easily understand that we are small companies. We are micro companies, have, somebody would define them. So the owner, the founder, oftentimes is the most experienced technician, but is also the salesperson, the sales representative, multiple, multiple roles, multiple hats to wear every single day. But you cannot delegate the operation setup to somebody that is not part of the ownership. This is my personal belief. It's not, of course, a a rule of law, but I believe that in small companies, the owners know where they want to go. They have that vision. They have maybe a we can call it a dream. We can call it a purpose. We can call it a mission for themselves. They know it. They founded the company. They need to have an idea of where this company should go in 10 years, right? But they don't have the time to think about it because they're doing so many things every single day that they don't have the time to stop and think. So I would advise delegating the day-to-day decisions to somebody else, even temporarily. Cut yourself some time to stop, reflect, think about what your vision is, where you want to bring your company in 10 years, in 15 years. We know that the lifespan of a company is really short in our generation. I think the average right now is 17 years, something like that. But I don't believe this kind of statistics. I think that the lifespan of a company depends on How do you reinvent yourself? How do you stay relevant on the market, even with a different approach? Yes, and having your operations in place. (laughs) Of course, without operations, you cannot measure what you're doing. Operations, I define operations the mother of everything because it doesn't just give you an idea of how you should do things, but it it gives you a measurement of Am I doing this right? If I have a procedure in place, if I have a process documented, mm-hmm. I can easily see where I left the, the, the right road to take a bad turn, where the 
bad decision was taken, and you can address it. But without an operation system in place, without a supervision of the operation system, the human nature tends to find a shortcut. They tend to find the easy way to do things, especially when we are bombarded by so many things every single hour of the day. We try to find a shortcut. And sometimes a shortcut can save you time, again, but it's not the right way to do something and it's going to come back and hit you in the head with a future issue. Yes, absolutely. I think since we kind of spoke about frameworks, I wanted to kind of touch upon one more topic that I haven't seen a lot of MSP you know, folks discuss about is the financial aspect of things, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, forecasting, you know, talking about costs, you know, your headcount cost and stuff like that, because, you know, more often than not, we are so much caught up in the cost of the tools. But it so happens that they probably form a very, very minor part of our, you know, overall expenses. Plus, you know, one more thing is I hit a million dollar or let's say $2 million in revenue. You know, there's a perception that, you know, the MSP owner ends up taking all the 1 million. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Yes. So I kind of uh, wanted to, you know, pick your brains on that topic on, you Mm -hmm. know, what should a good forecasting look like? What should the budgeting look like? How should... We forecast hiring and stuff like that. My colleagues used to, when I was CFO, they used to joke about the fact that I always had a no ready for them for every uh, spending request. That was not true. Sometimes I had a maybe, sometimes I had a not right now. But I think that one of the biggest strengths of a CFO is being able to say no to tech requests to purchases that are made in the spur of a moment. You are at an event, you see the next great tool and you want to subscribe to it for 10 years because we can have a good deal and we can sell it, right? This is what technician used to to see is the product is good. I'm going to buy it and then I'm going to think about how I'm going to market it. And that is great for the enthusiasm. But what I've learned in my experience is that you need to think about how you would you market something first, and then you're going to make the investment of purchasing new technology, a new product, whatever it is, right? You cannot start from the spending and then work back into the marketing. You have to start from, okay, do my client base need this tool or how can I make their lives better with this tool? And then I'm going to make what will become an investment and not just an additional cost to the ones that you already have in your company. So for financials, I think that it applies the same advice that goes for operation. Think about what your future needs would be. And you can cut it into different time frames. You can start from 10 years, five years, three years, one year. And moving back to one year, you can start developing a budget that starts from what kind of cost I want to cover. What is my drawing line? You know that in, in ships, in, in boats, they have that line that yes. separates the safety from we're not that safe anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right now, I don't remember what it's called in English, but anyway, I think that everybody's understanding what I'm trying to say. That is your line starts from you can you should start from 
what is the minimum level of cash flow that my company needs to stay afloat? What do I need every single year, every single month to cover all my costs? And the costs are not just for employees. They are for everything. I'm, of course, looking at financials from an Italian perspective. So we have our own laws, our taxes, etc. But you should account taxes in, in your budget. Don't make the mistake of thinking that whatever you get from clients is an earning. It's not. You have to put taxes aside from it because you will pay tax the next year. So start budgeting from the worst case scenario. What do I need to cover everything if I don't get any new clients for six months? How many months do I have in my bank accounts to cover for those costs? It's a process that you have to build thinking about what my future needs are and how we'll cover them right now and in the future. So it's something that has to something that has to be built from a real need but with a future vision got it got it got it. i think you know my biggest takeaway i'm gonna be with your teammates on this i think the default <laughs> answer is to say a no right? yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking from a very first principles and a cost angle but yeah it's really easy to say yes to interesting things funny things shiny things, or even, you know, even the new addition to the team. For example, when a peak in the workload happens, the first reaction of the tech team is, we need another person. We need, we need somebody new. And that sometimes is the case, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need to budget your time better. Sometimes you need operations in place, you need documentation because you're wasting a lot of time. So my first answer is not no, because I don't want to spend money. My first answer is, why do we need this? Give me a reason. If you give me a plan, if you can paint me the idea of what our lives will be with this, with this purchase, I'm going to say yes, but I need a plan. I need a reason. I need I need something that will make me understand that this is not a cost. This is an investment, an internal investment, an, in, an investment for the clients, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but it has to be something that makes things better. It's not just a cost. Perfect. I think doing things as investment would be a better, I mean, that's my main takeaway, you know, as a finance person, if I am an MSP owner, that's what I would take away. So... Yeah, cool. I think we've come to the kind of final section of our you know, podcast. So I have a quick rapid fire round with five, okay. six questions. So I want you to be rapid and your answer should be full of fire. So, <laughs> okay, I will try my best. <laughs> okay. So your biggest MSP pet peeve. My biggest MSP pet peeve. Oh my gosh. Losing my PSA. God. <laughs> okay. Your number one productivity hack. I'm crazy about to-do lists and listing all the tasks of the day from the one that I hate the most to the one that I love the most so that I can tackle the worst one right at the beginning of my day. Awesome. And is there a tool that you use for that or? 
just pen and paper, <laughs> just a, a very traditional <laughs> agenda, <laughs> a notebook. Perfect. So one advice to someone who is visiting Italy. Don't skip the little towns and little islands. Got it. <laughs> it's and not just about Venice. <laughs> got it. So one resource you recommend every MSP owner, you know, read, listen, or watch. Any resource that can help you understand what's the next issue that you should tackle. Any platform, dashboard, indicator, collectors of indicators that can help you understand immediately what's the next issue that you need to address. Don't rely just on your eyes, your time, your notes, your emails. You need softwares and you need system to do it. We have it. The tech world is so democratic right now. There's something for each price and need. Don't be shy with products. So, you know, your advice to MSPs trying to be, you know, increase the diversity because there are far and few women in tech. So what's your advice to folks? Well, from an Italian perspective, I should advise women first not to be scared by the tech industry because I know that a lot of MSP don't have diversity because there are not a lot of candidates up there. There are not female candidates. There are a lot of programmers, software developers, but we don't have a lot of system integrators, women system integrators, etc. So the first advice would be for young women to go and study these subjects and for MSP owners not to be scared by the lack of experience. If you find a smart woman that you can train and teach the things that you do within your company, start from a smart person that is interested. Don't be scared by the lack of experience because we have to start at some point. We don't have, as women in technology, we don't have a lot of background, but we need smart modern, fast-thinking men that understand that the value is not in the gender or in the experience, in the tradition. The value is in the potential that a person can express, and that's make a whole difference for women. Yes, I think great, great, great points, Rita. So one last question is, you know, if you were to kind of pass on the baton and recommend our next guest for the show, who would that be? Well, I need to be patriotic with this. So I would go to a colleague of mine here in Italy. There's an MSP that I look up to. His name is Andrea Munguzzi. He has a small MSP in the north of Italy. So smart. So, 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 so focused on marketing and operations. A very interesting, fun person to talk to. A lot of experience that he can share. Perfect. I think we're going to be reaching out to him. right. <laughs> That's great. I will give him a heads up. <laughs> yes. Perfect. I think, you know, I really enjoyed this episode from a very operations perspective, because as I said at the start, not a lot of MSP owners we have spoken to, you know, speak so passionately about operations. And, yeah. my big, you know, my biggest takeaway was, you know, looking right into the future, you know, having a blank paper, starting from what your future state needs to be, and then boiling it down to what you need to do today and looking at spends as an investment rather than a cost center, right? Yeah. So why do you need it and why do you need it now? Yes, right? absolutely. And I kind of loved your point around diversity, right? It's not about the gender. It's about what they bring to the table, right? The potential. Yes, yes. And, and I think that this is our responsibilities as owner 
is to focus on the potential of people. A good leader is the one that brings out the best out of the team members. So we have collectively start to think about potentials and not just about what you already know, what you already can do for me, what I can teach you to do, and what is the value that you bring to the table for me. Everything changed in my professional career when I met a person that told me, I think you would be a great addition to our board. So as the only female at this table, I think that it would be great. I didn't have the experience of the other board members, but this person believed in me and helped me sit at that table. And it was the beginning of a whole new phase of my career. So I think that I want to do the same thing for others. Yes, perfect. I think that's sort of great advice for anyone hiring, not just an MSP space, but, you know, any role that you're hiring for any company, right? So great, great, great advice, Vera. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. It was absolute, absolute pleasure hosting you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to your audience for listening to us. 